It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hello, welcome back in to Score North Live. Matthew Collar here with you. Joining me, she is already in Indianapolis, Indiana for the NFL Combine. I will be joining her there in a couple of days on Wednesday and Thursday. We'll be doing the show from there. ESPN Vikings reporter Courtney Cronin. Courtney, how are you? I am good. I'm back in my old stomping grounds. Uh, always love to make it back to Indianapolis and the uh, Indy area, surrounding area. Be down at my old my alma mater tomorrow. Good times. I mean, this is this is the time of year I always look forward to because it kind of gets you know it's a, it's a homecoming of sorts for me. How are the Hoosiers doing in sports? In in sports land <laughs> uh, in basketball land, not so good. Oh. Um, so I think they're out of I think they're they're basically out of the tournament. I watched the Purdue game last week and that was a heartbreaker. And then I I think they have Wisconsin uh on Tuesday, which that should be a bloodbath. So yeah, uh not good times in basketball land, but always good to uh get back down to Bloomington where I spent four of the best years of my life. All right. Well, we can talk about uh, some things we're going to look for in the combine. And I was looking at the weather report, hoping that it would just be magically nice in Indy this week since it is not nice in Minnesota, but no, no such luck for any Vikings reporters uh, hoping for better weather. So let's start off. I made a list on our website, scorenorth.com of the things that I'm going to be watching closely. And you can tell me whether you think I'm right or wrong to include quarterbacks on this list. Maybe not necessarily for the Vikings with Kyler Murray, and especially not with uh, some of the top guys, Drew Locke or Dwayne Haskins, but some of the other quarterbacks looking for that guy who might stand out to them, whether it's Will Greer or Ryan Finley or someone like that. I think it is possible that the Vikings could look at a developmental type quarterback in this draft. It is possible. I don't know when or what round they could possibly even address that given how many other needs they have ahead of this. And certainly you go into Indianapolis with the mindset, if you are the Minnesota Vikings, you're looking at all the guards, you're looking at all the tackles, you're basically taking stock of every offensive lineman that's there and trying to figure out who will be available to you at 18 if you're not going to trade up to try to get one of the top 10 picks. Um, to me, if you get a top 10 pick, that's a guy that could be a game changer in starting right away and actually fixing your offensive line more so than getting guys in who are probably going to take some time to develop. But beyond that, you know, I have a hard time seeing quarterback being addressed right away maybe in the mid rounds. I mean, I still think that you're going to be looking at a linebacker just because Anthony Barr, it seems the writing's on the wall. They're not going to franchise tag him. I mean, we still have got 
believe a week, week and a half left until, until that's decided. And then I'm looking at a defensive tackle because I don't know what's going on with Sheldon Richardson and if they're going to keep him or want to give him the extension as well. And then beyond that, they probably need another edge rusher. So, I mean, I've got that's four positions right there that I've got ahead of quarterback, but I could see a developmental quarterback taken if you are not going to, I mean, they need somebody to back up Kirk Cousins regardless. Um, would it would Trevor Simeon surprise me given his, you know, given his history with Gary Kubiak before that he remains around for another year on a one-year deal? No, not at all. But I don't think that you're getting a guy, unless you're addressing this before the fourth round, I don't see it happening um, as somebody that will actually become a big part of your system down the road. Um, we've just never seen, we just, you know, recently in, in Vikings history, haven't seen that pan out where the guys they've addressed, they, they've placed emphasis on from the fourth, fifth, sixth, or even seventh round have really panned out at that position. Courtney Cronin of ESPN in Indianapolis at the NFL Combine. It goes on all the way through next Monday or at least through Sunday. We'll be there Wednesday and Thursday for Mike Zimmer and Rick Spielman's comments. And uh, Sage Rosenfels will be there with us as well doing Purple Podcast and the Score North Live show. So you'll make sure you want to catch that. Let's let's talk about these offensive and defensive linemen that we're going to be keeping an eye on. Because, Mm -hmm. you know, you mentioned filling filling needs and I tend to think that you've got a chance maybe to fill two if things work out for you in the first and the second round you might be able to get two players that turn into starters or at least a significant role player there so it's a really interesting question of which needs would they try to fill I think this is a draft where you're looking at guys who are going to make a significant impact either right away or next year that could develop for a year or something like that. And along the offensive and defensive line, are these glaring needs, especially if Sheldon Richardson isn't going to come back? And then it comes down to, are you going to try to take one of these tackles and put them right in at left tackle? Or are you going to take the best guard available? Uh, this isn't like last year where there were a ton of guards at the top. This will be really interesting to see how they handle it, especially with a lot of tackles uh, expected to go in the first round. Yeah, and, and and like we've talked about beforehand, you know, where they're picking at 18, you're not necessarily getting a guy who's going to come in and be the game changer, be the Quentin Nelson for you. I mean, the reasons Colts are so successful in, in being able to put a rookie in at guard is because he was, what, picked sixth overall last year? I mean, there yep. is a big discrepancy between offensive linemen that are taken picks one through 10 maybe one through 12 if you can sneak it in that range but we even saw what happened with Colton Miller last year and that didn't exactly you know pan out in the Raiders favor he was taken somewhere in that range but you have a better chance at drafting these guys high and expecting them to pan out earlier than you potentially do at 18 now is there a chance that somebody like a Jonah Williams like slips to 18 I know that he was um projected in Mel Kuyper's uh, last it came out last week his his mock 2.0 um that he would be drafted I think at, at 18 by the Vikings and they were actually kind of his reasoning is that they consider moving him a man who has started 43 games at tackle at Alabama uh consider moving him inside the guard I don't understand the reasoning behind that I don't know that we'd get a question uh, or an answer to the reasoning behind that from either Rick Spielman or Mike Zimmer uh, I mean we certainly seen the sample size of that before and how it didn't work with Mike Remmers this past year. And obviously on your show, 
uh, talking with Andrew Kramer about, you know, moving the possibility of moving Riley Reef in from left tackle to, to left guard. Um, that'd be interesting. But I also don't think he's going to be there at 18. I mean, he's projected by CBS Sports to get, he's number one, it's number one, uh, his position rank, he's number one. So, I mean, I wouldn't expect him to be there, but guys like Greg Little, Cody Ford, Andre Dillard, I mean, those are kind of those middle of the pack first rounders that, I could potentially see still being there at 18. I know Greg Little's name's come up a bunch. He was a tackle at Ole Miss. I covered his, actually covered him during his recruiting cycle. He was supposed to be the next Laramie Tunzel. Um, and I think he did a lot of really good things there. Now, will his career translate to um, the potential of being a first-round pick like Laramie Tunzel? I don't know. But there are a lot of tackles available. I don't think that, you know, you have to go into this draft thinking, okay, it's not going to be the same. There, as last year, I mean, they, they might not have the same run on interior linemen that they did late first round going into the second, but there certainly are guys that are available for them. And they should keep their eye on that because, you know, just just the perception of neglecting the offensive line is enough to make you want to, if you are the Minnesota Vikings, to kind of keep things, you know, to keep things in a box here. You're going to want to address, address that first, and you're going to want to be aggressive. I mean, that might mean trading, you know, stockpiling your picks however you can. There's still time in free agency in the offseason until you get to the draft to be able to move up to get who you really want in the first round. I think what we'll have here is probably a sense after Indianapolis of how these offensive linemen shake out that we've seen a bunch of names and the senior bowl helped a little bit, especially people might've already heard of Dalton Risner before from Kansas state. He's a guy that's got some first round potential. He could play tackle or guard and might be someone who intrigues the Vikings after he had a really good week at the senior bowl that helped his stock quite a bit. But uh, I remember last year that it was a bunch of guards going into mm -hmm. uh, Indy and then coming out of Indy, we knew kind of how they were going to fall. Like Frank Rag now his uh, status went way up and especially Will Hernandez. I, I'm not sure people thought necessarily going in that he was a first round pick. And then when they came out after seeing him move, after seeing him talk that uh, he was going to be a guy that a lot of teams were interested in. Now, I, what I keep coming back to with this draft, Courtney is will the Vikings go a little off the board in the first round Instead I, of I, instead of picking that offensive lineman, because if you I can see it, if you think of it that way, there are so many interesting possibilities. And one of my favorites is the tight end. There's three first round caliber tight ends here that we're going to be watching pretty closely. You know, I I'm with you. And I, I think I saw you put this question out on Twitter the other day of what would happen, um, you know, to this fan base if they do end up going with another position, not on the offensive line in the first round. and you know, I'm sure it gives people a lot of pause, but there are reasons to believe that they can make a smarter choice with their first round pick um, if they don't go with an offensive lineman. But to me, there's a push and a pull. If that happens, that means in my mind that they will have spent the money and they will have addressed it in free agency. Um, how do you get there? I think that one way that you get there is by with all their own cap casualties that you create the space where, okay, now we have some money to go after some of these guards in free agency, even though some of the names are not really, I don't know. There's just like not a lot of names there that are, you know, all that enticing in my opinion for the, in the free agent guard market. Mm -hmm. But let's say they, let's say they do that. Okay. Well then maybe you don't need right away with that first round pick at 18 um, to address the offensive line, but how do you get there? 
okay, here's one thing that we could do. Cut Everson Griffin. Well, if you cut Everson Griffin, who in many, in, who will give you $10.7 million in, in available cap space, which is, you know, that's not a outlandish thing to think about. You know, you can cut Anderson Dejo, get $5.5 million released against the cap. There's, you know, roughly, if I'm doing my math right, that's about $16 million, um, $16, $17 million that you could spend on a guard and free agency. But you create a hole elsewhere um, by getting rid of someone like Everson Griffin. So to me, if that is the case, like this is one scenario of many that could happen. I'm spending my first round pick from the Vikings on an edge rusher because it is a class that is deep this year. There is a very nice pool of guys. You know, I mean, not saying you're going to be in play for Nick Bosa or Josh Allen, but, you know, you could, you know, you could be in play for guys like a Montez Sweat. Um, you know, the guy from Florida, I think his name is Deshai Polite. Like, I mean, there's there's a lot of guys there that would be available to you at 18 that, you know, if you fill the need, if you can at least get one piece for the offensive line in free agency that you can then circle back, maybe that second, third round pick. But you have addressed, you know, another need that of freeing up the cap space to be able to get to that offensive lineman by then readdressing the position that you basically took from. You know what I mean? Does that make sense? No, it does. It does. Uh, Courtney Cronin from ESPN. Uh, on the line from Indianapolis. You're listening to Score North Live. I, I'm curious to go through the positions for which would make the fans really upset. <laughs> I mean, because there are some really good cornerbacks, but if they draft a cornerback, then people are taking the the pitchforks to U.S. Bank Stadium, right? I mean, I, I think that there's only really one spot that they could draft that would make people upset, and that leaves the door wide open for everything else. I mean, even if they took a wide receiver, there would be some people that said, okay, what are you doing when you have Thielen and Diggs? But I think they need to fill that spot. So if someone like D.K. Metcalf is there, who's a physical freak and – uh, his uh, draft stock that's really intriguing where he could go in the second, he could go in the first, but he's a, a big time playmaker. I mean, I don't think that people are freaking out unless it's a position that they have already set. Even if it was a safety, I mean, people like how, the way that Anthony Harris played last year, but it's a small sample. It's half a year. Harrison Smith is starting to get up there in age a little bit toward 30 and we've always talked about what if you replaced him with a supreme talent and uh, there is Deontay Thompson from Alabama that's a really intriguing player. Now, I think he's not going through this week, so we won't get much information on him. But it just comes to mind for me that everyone is desperate to get an offensive lineman, but I would not count out almost anything else except for cornerback. Correct. Um, the reason with cornerback, though, I think that they... I, I know I've spelled out the situation where they could possibly trade Xavier Rhodes and, and I will have more on that this week because I am curious. We haven't talked to Mike Zimmer about how he felt, you know, the last time we talked to Mike Zimmer as a group was in January, just like four days after the season ended. And we're kind of getting a feel for, okay, your, your job is safe. What do you feel about kind of the, the not, you know, going into the season on your last year of your contract, um, just kind of the uncertainty there. There was really no defensive questions asked in there just mm -hmm. because we only had 20 minutes. So it's going to be curious to find out how he feels about Xavier Rhodes, how he feels about Trey Waynes going into this, you know, final year of his contract. Cause we think the writing's on the wall that Waynes could easily be gone in 2020. But I do think that they can, 
no matter what happens with their cornerbacks, they're gonna they're gonna address it at some point. I think there's always going to be a, a point of emphasis for this team to keep stockpiling cornerback depth. Does it happen in the first round? I agree with you. It does not. But I think that that any other position is fair game at 18, which is what makes this draft so intriguing because everybody now is pointing to an offensive lineman. That was the exact same thing that we went through last year, really up until early April. Remember last year in early April, you started to see Josh Jackson's name, the cornerback who's now with yep. the, um, you know, Packers. now with the uh, Green Bay Packers. I mean, and that was kind of like, whoa, like, where's this coming from? All of a sudden, the, the shift is to a defensive focus. Well, then you take a look back at the moves that they made in free agency. Well, they spent $84 million guaranteed on a quarterback. Of course, the head coach is probably going to be lobbying for getting more defensive guys in there. And, you know, obviously a great defensive prospect in Mike Hughes, who, you know, we're hoping to see finally healthy this season. But I, you know, with with a receiver and, you know, you saw some of the comments that I believe there's a story written over the weekend. And Mike Shanahan was asked about what does Kirk Cousins need to succeed in the NFL? Well, he needs more weapons around him. I think the Vikings see that from so many different angles that they had, you know, they were privy to this year that you can't just have Thielen and Diggs and expect that to be enough for a guy like Kirk Cousins. Yep. Um, so could you draft a tight end to be that athletic compliment to Kyle Rudolph, the thing that they wanted so desperately last year, but they never had? Sure, you can. Um, would, would it make sense to do that with a first-round pick? Possibly. I mean, I don't really know how any – I mean, Hayden Hurst was – didn't. I mean, he didn't really do a whole ton. No. Um, and, that, and that was – he was, I think – Correct me if I'm wrong. I think he was the only first round pick tight end um, in last year's draft. So, I mean, you put a risk out on that. A guy like DK Metcalf, I mean, if he's still there at 18, I know some people are going to see the, the the word Ole Miss and be like, no, no, no. <laughs> Not at 18. <laughs> Not at 18. I can assure you, DK Metcalf, I've covered both of them. I covered DK more heavily in from the high school to the college ranks. DK is a far different receiver than Laquan Treadwell. He did not suffer a devastating knee uh, leg injury his junior season that certainly hampered his ability to get separation. DK is one of the biggest physical freaks I've ever encountered. And when you see him in person at the combine, man, we've all seen the picture of him shirtless, flexing with you know muscles that make him look like Megatron. Yoked, um, I might say. Yoked, that's the right word. Um, gosh, if he was there, that would be a hard one to pass up because – I think you do need to address Kirk Cousins needing more weapons, and I think that you can spend high draft picks on that. It's just going to be a matter of what you do in free agency, the opposite has to happen in the draft. You can't really double up, I don't think, just because of your cap space restrictions mm -hmm. and the fact of the matter of, you know, you just don't have the wherewithal to do that. Courtney Cronin from Indianapolis. We will join her there on Wednesday and Thursday. Okay, so around the league, what are you looking for most? Of course, Antonio Brown rumors will be at the very top. And this is one thing that I wanted to like follow up on with the Antonio Brown argument that we were having last week was just that the Steelers are probably going to trade him to the NFC. And mm -hmm. it, this, it, whether the Vikings are in or not, I mean, this could really change the landscape of the NFC where Antonio Brown ends up. So I'm going to be looking for that. The other thing, Courtney, and this pertains to the Vikings is franchise tags because right after the combine, you have the March 5th franchise tag yep. deadline. So we're going to be looking for any sort of rumors or conversation about Sheldon Richardson or Anthony Barr in the franchise tag. What else are you looking for sort of around the league? Because this is usually a big news time for the NFL. 
well, obviously the Robert Kraft stuff is going to be very interesting um, to see because I, I it, this is the week I think within the next however many days. I mean, even today he might have to turn himself in. Isn't that right? Like mm-hmm. um, uh, that was huge news that came out of uh, Friday, Friday, the Friday news dump that also included the fact that the Bears are moving on from Cody Parkey. So. I do think that there's going to be some league-wide stuff. Antonio Brown certainly at the at the height of that. But I would also this is the time to start buying into some of the trade rumors and seeing you know once the league year opens, what's going to be the first domino to fall. Last year we go into this thinking, okay, the quarterback market is running through the state of Minnesota, and we were just waiting and waiting and waiting until we got to March 13th or 14th, whatever day it was for the first domino to fall, which was Case Keenum going to the Broncos, and that led the way for Bradford and Bridgewater to leave and then paved the road right to uh, right to Winter Park at the time for Kirk Cousins to, you know, set the free set the quarterback market into motion, truly into motion in free agency. So now I'm kind of wondering what else is there? What else what's the what is the position this year that's going to I mean, quarterback I think is not I think just be some of the moves we've already seen this off season, but you know, the Nick Foles, Nick Foles situation. And you know, when that's going to take place, you know, obviously all signs pointing, pointing for him going to Jacksonville. What does that mean? Um, I think that quarterback position will always be looked at that way. It's not, there's not as much of a spotlight around it this year, just because I think last year was something completely different, but in terms of, you know, some other things too, I mean, we're going to be talking about the Kyler Murray, Dwayne Haskins thing, ad nauseum this week i mean getting to hear from both i know people really want to for whatever reason people don't believe kyler murray that he's truly all in <laughs> yeah, on football really so i'll be curious to see how he handles those questions going forward um because i mean he didn't really do himself any favors talking at the super bowl and just kind of the way that he phrased things there now that, that he's almost a month removed from that um i will be curious to see what he does say uh at the combine about um you know deciding to go and deciding to throw at the combine. I mean, Dwayne Haskins, I saw a report the other day that he will throw at the combine. I don't know how much of a big deal. I think that's a bigger deal than most people make it to be. But I do think that there is something to be said about, okay, he's going to do it. Is he going to be the first overall pick Mm -hmm. or is it still going to be Nick Bosa? Or like, you know, it doesn't seem like the Cardinals right now are changing or deviating from their plan, but that's just kind of the way things are. Yeah. Whether the Vikings are in or not on Kyler Murray, it's interesting this week because you feel like this could determine, is he the first overall pick or second overall pick or something way up at the top? Or is he a guy that ends up, dropping down. And we've seen that before. We've seen it with Teddy Bridgewater. We've seen it with Lamar Jackson. People seem to really hold it against Lamar Jackson that he wouldn't run the 40 last year, which is very odd. But, you know, there's uh, all sorts of possibilities for Kyler Murray. So he's going to be one of the interesting names that we watch. Um, Courtney, great stuff. I will see you there in a couple of days. And you are more familiar with the uh, restaurants and places to see around Indy if we get a few minutes. Um, but otherwise we will catch you on the air and it's Courtney, it's draft simulation season now. It, 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 and it starts for us at the combine. What better place for us to kick off draft season and mock mock draft season rather than in a place that means so much to us in a place (laughs) that is, that has produced so much content for the next two months for us. So Uh, I'm very excited to pull up fan speak and, uh, get it going. All right. Uh, Courtney Cronin there, follow her on Twitter. I'm sure it's something like 
Courtney Cronin, Courtney R. Cronin, right? On Twitter. Yeah. And only, it's only been two years. I know. And at uh, ESPN.com as well. We will uh, talk to you soon, Courtney. Thanks for your time. All right. Thanks. All right. And we will be right back here on Score North Live. Hello, welcome in to Score North Live. Matthew Collar here on 1500. Joining me right off the bat to start the show, my Purple Podcast co-host, and uh, we will be living it up at the NFL Combine together, doing the show from there next week, Sage Rosenfels, former Minnesota Vikings quarterback. How are you, Sage? I'm doing great, and I've been really looking forward to uh, heading out to the combine next week and and getting a lot of uh, material, a lot of interviews, uh, seeing some old uh, coaches and people that I used to work with, and, and obviously checking out the players as well. And and uh, really looking forward to that. Looking to w- working with you out there, and uh, it, it should be a good thing we can use all off season. Yes, we will have lots of stuff on the Purple Podcast feed. If you have not subscribed yet, please do so on iTunes, and we will also be doing the show here live on Score North. So I, I want to talk to you, Sage, about a couple of things that we've been discussing throughout the offseason on the show. Most recently, the Antonio Brown situation and whether the Vikings should look into possibly trading for him. And, and I, I don't necessarily need your take on whether they should trade this or that for Antonio Brown, but your experience inside locker rooms, working with wide receivers as a leader of a team when you're the quarterback, how much uh, does that relationship with the wide receivers impact the entire room between the quarterback and the receivers, and how did that work for you during your career? Well, I was lucky enough to be around, uh, you know, for the most part, receivers that uh, weren't hard to deal with. You know, I would say the best receiver I ever played with was Andre Johnson, and he was you know, a fairly quiet guy who more spoke with how he worked and, and didn't complain all, you know, all that much. And, and, uh, you know, we didn't hear about his contract all the much. Just a guy who worked and wanted to get better, led the Friday workouts in the summertime, was just a worker and was these guys who regularly sort of made, you know, waves. And, and, you know, so I, I, for me, I really appreciated that over having a guy that even if they're very talented ends up just sort of being a pan in the neck to deal with. And, and so for me, and, and you and I differ on this, it seems like, at least through Twitter, where all the knowledge is real and true, <laughs> uh, that uh, I, I am not a fan of adding Antonio Brown. I don't, I don't even know if, if I'm uh, – maybe the Patriots. I don't know if I want to deal with that type of headache. You know, if I'm trying to start up a young team, it's going to cost you a lot, and you have no idea, uh, you know, how, how – you know, is he going to be happy? What's going to happen after the first year if we only win four games? You know, if he was unhappy in Pittsburgh – so the best fans in the country paid the second most in the league. How is he going to be happy, uh, you know, in some, you know, in some other team, right? So to me, I, I'd rather not have a headache. I always like the guys who just work and, and try to make the team better. Well, I, I think the way that I look at it, Sage, is this team went all in with a quarterback who needs a lot of help. And this is a rare opportunity to bring in someone who can help you by a lot. Now, now let me ask you this, though. Hold on, hold on one second. Can I ask you a question? Sure. Do you see a Kirk Cousins vibe and an Antonio Brown vibe matching up together? I think that it's possible for them to work together because Antonio Brown was just with Ben Roethlisberger, who seems like a nightmare. As much as Kirk Cousins frustrates us with some of the things that he does, 
Ben Roethlisberger went on a local radio station and said he was going to throw to Juju Smith-Schuster next time they were in the red zone instead of Antonio Brown. I mean, that's worse than anything Kirk Cousins did uh, last year in terms of uh, throwing teammates under the bus. I, I think that it has the potential to be an explosive situation, but it also has the potential to ha- to be an amazing situation where Kirk Cousins puts up career numbers because no one can guard their three wide receivers. Well, and listen, they'd have to be in shotgun, and they'd have to be in empty, and they'd have to get rid of the ball as quickly as possible because if they give up more assets for Antonio Brown, a third wide receiver, they'd have the best wide receiver core in the NFL. But one thing I learned as a quarterback early on you can drop all the fancy pass plays you want. You can have all the weapons outside you want. If you don't have a line that can run block and pass block, I don't care what you design as an offense. That's the number one need in the offseason. I'm not worried about the receiver's position. But yes, they could use a better third wide receiver. Absolutely. If they had a, a great player, that would be great. Uh, but they, offensive line, offensive tackle, guard center, uh, they just need to add quality players and hopefully some good players uh possibly through the draft they could you know find some find some diamonds in the rough and have those guys be the you know that's to me keeping Kirk Cousins uh with an extra second in the pocket and a better running game that's the key to the Vikings success former NFL quarterback and my purple podcast co-host Sage Rosenfels is joining us here on score north live on 1500 well I, I don't think it's an either or I don't think it's get a third wide receiver or try to fix the offensive line uh, I think drafting offensive line makes a heck of a lot of sense to continue to build. Can you explain, though, Sage, having the extra weapon, having three wide receivers, as opposed to what the Vikings had last year, which was two dangerous wide receivers, a reliable tight end, a running back they seem to refuse to want to throw to, and then a number three wide receiver who Cousins repeatedly targeted in big situations in Laquan Treadwell, and it rarely worked out for him. I mean, I think that whether you're talking about Antonio Brown or not, this is a vital position that the Vikings need to address. I would rather, in a Gary Kubiak-influenced offense, and a Pat Shermer-influenced offense, rather have more offensive linemen, okay? And I'd rather have a second tight end that is more of a pass catcher. I want someone who can really win, all right? Because they don't have that right now. So for me... The third wide receiver spot, you know, is is once more fullback, by the way. And two, it's that second tight end position because I want to be in what we call solo uh, formation. Two tight ends on the a tight end on each side with two receivers outside, two studs on the outside. And let's run the ball right or left based off, you know, what the defense has given us uh, and get those double teams and get that zone working and get that run game working, uh, which I think will help out the passing game. So I, I think it's that second tight end position. I think they need to find a stud in that role, uh, somebody who can really stretch the field, run those seam routes, can win one-on-one. Uh, they can leave Rudy in for blocking some. Hey, Gronkowski became a really good blocker uh, there. You know, Rudy could add that element to his game, which is more underneath stuff. He's just not a guy who you know, stretches the, the field vertically. Still has great red zone uh, you know, assets, but a second tight end would be more valuable than the third star wide receiver. Well, you and I are definitely on the same page with the number two tight end. Uh, there are just so few of those. I think it's something that when we're at the combine next week, I want to put a lot of focus on. And, and as we lead up to the draft is some of these top tight ends. There are some really good players in this draft. And there's also one guy on the free agent market, Jared Cook, who is a tight end for the Oakland Raiders. The Vikings did 
chase after him. I believe they had him in for a visit last offseason, and then he ended up signing in Oakland. If they're not going to go in with a big wide receiver trade or they're not going to sign someone like Golden Tate or Adam Humphreys, I really like the idea of someone like Jared Cook. There are only a few tight ends on the market. He might be worth overpaying for if that's how Gary Kubiak wants to run his offense. That might be it, and there also might be a draft pick. You know, I, I've seen some some film uh, uh, on, on again on Twitterverse of the Iowa tight end, uh, this kid Hutchinson, I think his name is number number thirty eight. He's a stud. I, I think I just murdered his uh, his last name, but he Hawkinson, is a heck, yeah. Hawkinson. Uh, he is a heck of a player, uh, and, and I know he can block. And he's a guy. Uh, and there's certain schools that I think it's important to draft certain types of players from. And if you're a team that wants to run a lot of zone, uh, wants to use a tight end a lot, Iowa is one of those schools, offensive line uh, and tight end. And they put out some really good tight ends uh, for, for a long time. Uh, and he seems to be a really, really good one, too. And, that, you know, obviously he was behind, uh, you know, the kid out in San Francisco uh, who had a you know great first couple of uh, great first uh, couple of years of his career. Uh, and so I, I think that that would be a guy that they could maybe draft maybe in the first round, uh, you know, maybe in the second round. I'm not sure if he'll, he'll last to the second round. Sage Rosenfeld is joining us here on score North live. So beyond adding another weapon, which I think we all agree, it's just the approach might be different from what I think in the all in let's go crazy approach or get another tight end in the draft or whatever it might be. I loved what the Eagles did last year, by the way, drafting Dallas Goddard and putting him across from Zach Ertz. I think the Vikings could definitely do something like that. But what else is on your list for this team, Sage, as we've Get in now to the free agency period. The window is open for teams to start franchise tagging players. So as the next two weeks go by, we'll have a much clearer idea of which guys are actually going to be free agents and which players are going to get franchise tagged and taken off the market or re-sign extensions. But as of right now, when you look at this Vikings roster, okay, of course, another receiver, another tight end, maybe a number two running back. What else is on your list other than that, for the Vikings to look at in free agency? Well, you know, defensive tackle. Uh, I'm always into trying to get more you know, linemen, offensive linemen, defensive linemen, especially with this style of uh, winning that they, they're they trying to produce here. You know, Zimmer's sort of old-fashioned, grinded-out style. So offensive linemen, defensive linemen. Uh, you know, defensive end is interesting. You know, if they drafted the right defensive end and he showed enough promise, you know, do they have to keep Everson Griffin or can they reduce Everson's salary? Uh, you know, one of those things is as you look towards the future uh, in this, again, in this style of defense, you can never have too many good defensive ends. So I think, you know, defensive tackle, defensive end, uh, I, you know, maybe outside linebacker. Uh, you know, I'm not sure, uh, obviously, what's going to happen there with with free agency. And, and they're, you know, they're talking about, uh, uh, you know, various uh, tags that they could use here. So, you know, that's another position. So um, yeah, I think sure, those lines, offensive line, defensive line to me. Uh, I would constantly be working on those uh, on those two aspects of the game. If we were ranking the positions by value, okay, quarterback is clearly number one. How do you rank them? Like, what's your top three non-quarterback positions in terms of where teams should spend their money? Because I, I was looking at the Patriots and where they spend theirs. Tight end is a big spot for them in terms of spending. Interestingly, they spend some on running backs, too. They drafted one in the first round and then signed uh, Rex Burkhead, and James White is there as well. Uh, that was surprising to me. And on defense, it's the defensive secondary is where they've spent a lot of their money. 
And with the offensive line, they've been very savvy about it and built it up through the draft. And then they found their left tackle with a trade uh, last year. So I, I, I'm curious what you think uh, would be the positions you would spend the most money at aside from QB. Man, that's a really good question. Um, I, I'm not into spending massive amounts of money at the receiver position. I, you know, $16 million is a ton of money. Uh, and, and I, you know, some, I just not being at the very, very top sometimes of, of all the markets. I don't think it's always a good thing. I think it just depends on your style of football. And, uh, you know, again, in this type of offense, uh, in which you always, you know, Zimmer always wants to be in games and sort of grind it out. And, uh, I, you can never spend too much money on the lines, I, I think. And, and, uh, and cause if you have dominant, like defensive line play, defensive tackle, defensive end play, you're going to be in almost every football game. It feels like, you know, your teams are going to be tough to run uh, on you and, and you'll have a lot of opportunities and they get great pass rush. So, you know, defensive lines, one of those spots where I feel like it's, it's great to sort of overspend, even spend money on the fifth guy and the sixth guy to have really good rotation of guys. You can use four defensive ends on third down and have great pass rushers and really harass teams. I, I think that's a, that's a spot I like spending extra money on. Yeah, I think that anything that impacts the passing game is where the value is at. So a guy at three technique defensive tackle who can get after the quarterback, uh, the edge rushers, of course, the shutdown corners are, are worth it. Uh, I know that people want to trade Xavier Rhodes and Trey Waynes, and I understand why, because they have high cap hits and uh, the Vikings are in a bit of a tight spot with their salary cap. But at the same time, cornerback depth is going to be really important and when you're talking about a passing league your passing offense determines pretty much how many points you score uh i i think those are the top positions and when it comes to wide receiver i think you pay the guys that are really really good at it so adam thielen is probably going to need a contract extension he's really really good at it and hard to replace and sage i watched some more of the aaf over the weekend and watched footballs bounce off people's helmets who are trying to catch the ball so when you have a special receiver i I do think that you want to spend when you have someone who's well above average at that position yeah well it's yeah it's 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 interesting how to build a football team and what type of team you know zimmer and and rick spielman are trying to build uh you know this year and and as they go forward so this is a really interesting offseason for this team and and uh they have their quarterback uh, he's the guy I, at the minimum, he's going to be there one more year, probably two. The question is what type of team do they build around that quarterback that gives them the best chance of being successful, getting back in the playoffs after a very disappointing, uh, 2018 year and making a run at the Super Bowl. That's why you signed Kirk Cousins to make a legitimate run at a Super Bowl championship. Sage Rosenfels, former NFL quarterback, my Purple Podcast co-host, joining me here on Score North Live on 1500. So I was listening to Joe Thomas's podcast, and he was breaking down film on Aaron Donald. And one of the points that he made, Sage, was that Aaron Donald at the Combine uh, dropped a little bit because of his height and weight. And the point that Thomas was making is, look, if there's a guy who's really good at football and a little different body size... Sometimes that makes it even harder for opponents because they're used to guys a certain size. As we get into combine and draft season, I mean, do you, do you agree with that when it comes to quarterbacks or guys that you played against where sometimes it can work to their advantage if they're a little bit different? Well, you know, listen, I played with guys that were different 
And, you know, Zach Thomas was too short and just made a million tackles. And Jason Taylor was too skinny, more of a basketball body than a football body. And he was an NFL defensive MVP. The question is what they're good at. Are they special at that, you know, to sort of overcome this weakness? The NFL does have this obsession. That's sort of been a, a, an ongoing conversation around the league right now. I've read a couple articles on it uh, about, you know, why GMs and why coaches draft certain guys based off all, all these numbers. And it's sort of a, you know, cover your own behind type of scenario where, you know, listen, they, they said he's 5'11". Why would you think a little linebacker from Texas Tech at 5'11 would be a good NFL linebacker? But if you just look at the fact that this guy just makes tackle after tackle after tackle after tackle and is averaging 18, 20 tackles a, you know, a game at Texas Tech, he's going to be a tackle machine in the NFL, too. Mm-hmm. And, and because they're special at something, you know, uh, instead of looking at all their negatives uh, and on all just the numbers, are they really special at doing something? And to me, that's where size doesn't really matter. So before we uh, wrap up here, Sage, I want you to use your football brain. This is one of the things that I want to like show the listeners and purple podcast listeners as well. Um, just some things that you can bring us about football that we don't know. So I was hoping that you could explain something that we might see from a Gary Kubiak offense when it pertains to play action, because Vikings fans have been hearing a lot about this, a lot about, okay, Mike Zimmer wants more play action. This is, a Kubiak thing, Shanahan thing, Kirk Cousins is really good at executing it. But I'm, I was hoping that you could give an example of how that works to take advantage of defenses and why Kirk Cousins might be good at it. Okay, so, well, Cousins was raised in sort of a, you know, that Shanahan offense in, in Washington. He was raised sort of initially when he got the NFL to be a good play-action quarterback. You know, they run all that zone in that system. We're talking about the Rams now. We're talking about the 49ers. But it's this zone with play action. And, and to try to describe it to the audience, uh, you know, over the radio, over a podcast, let me see if I can do this. So uh, if you have a four down front along the defensive line, uh, and then you have three linebackers, okay, and a seven-man play action, which means the tight end, which is on the right-hand side, he's going to stay in and block, all right? And, and, and then the three wide receivers are going out. So in this protection, the quarterback who's under center is going to turn to his left and go back to the running back for a handoff of inside zone. The line is all going to step to the left. The left tackle has the defensive end. The running back is going to block the will linebacker who's in the weak side, uh, uh, like C gap. The left guard and center are going to double team the nose tackle working their way up to the Mike linebacker. The right guard and right tackle are going to be double teaming the three technique. And, and, and keep an eye on the Sam linebacker if he blitzes. If the Sam does not come, the right tackle actually comes back and helps out the weakest part of that protection, which is the one-on-one matchup with the tight end on a defensive end. He comes back and he cleans up the defensive end if the, if the tight end struggling with him. So that's where this type of offense, we'll see it all year with, with, the, with the Vikings. You'll see it as you watch Rams games, is a, you know, a, basically a tight end blocking defensive end one-on-one on the backside with this play action concept they call it pass 15 uh and a lot of times you'll see is you'll see the tight end actually on the left side but an off uh sort of formation and then as at the snap slide across the formation to actually block that defensive end Mm -hmm. yeah and you see that a lot especially with the rams especially when you do that camera behind the quarterback you see that tight end coming across he might be coming across for a bootleg 
or he might be coming across to block that defensive end. You can't really tell. And that's where all that sort of, that's how that unfolds, though. That, that's sort of the blocking scheme of past 15. Well, I think that your explanation there shows the value. If you have a really awesome all-around tight end, which only a handful of teams do, of just how dangerous that can be if they can stick in and block a defensive end or go out for you know deep down the field if they need to on a play like that. Or a lot of those play actions flood one side of the field, so you'll have a tight end line up on one side and then all three receiving options cross the field or end up on one side, so... Uh, that's something that I think makes your point from earlier that the Vikings well, should be looking at. Yeah, and again, I think this maximizes Rudy's uh, you know uh, abilities. And you know, again, as you just get older in your career, you have to change things up a little bit. He's a he can be a really good blocker if he so chooses to. Uh, he's such a big guy. He's almost like another tackle. Uh, and if he became that sort of power blocker in the zone running game uh, at his side, and then a really good play action blocker that allow that third wide receiver on the left side uh, or that second tight end to then work its way out into, into the pass patterns and, and have three guys going deep. And so uh, that could add more value to the Vikings of a player there to have that they're spending a pretty good amount of money on. All right, Sage, this was very fun, and this was extremely football, and I look forward to talking to you next from Indianapolis. We will take a quick break here, and we will be right back here on Score North Live. 